Hey, this is Josh Herrera, and I'm the pastor of Lighthouse Church North County, and this is our podcast. Wherever you are and however you are listening, I want to say thank you for tuning in to what we are teaching at Lighthouse. Our desire is that these messages would help you to fulfill your God-given potential. If this message impacts you, share it with someone you know. We are on this journey together, becoming more like Jesus, one day and one step at a time. Now here's today's message. We hope it blesses you. All right, let's give it up for Pastor Bobby. Thank you, Pastor Bobby. Hey, listen, for those of you that don't know me, my name is Josh, alongside my beautiful wife right here. We had the tremendous privilege of pastoring the greatest church in all of the planet, Lighthouse Church North County. I'm extremely biased, by the way. But we just love, love, love this church, and we love what God is doing here. We started a series, this new collection of talks last Sunday, and it is on this topic called Relation Slips. Today, I'm going to bring you part two, and I just want to get right to it. Y'all ready to get right to it? All right, go with me to Genesis. We're going to read from chapter two, verses 23 through 24. We're going to get the scriptures up on the side screens for you, and it reads as follows. The man said, this is now bone of my bones. And flesh of my flesh, she shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. This is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. So today, I've got a hot topic that we're going to talk about today. Today, I'm going to hit you with a sermon title called Sex, Love, and Dating. Sex, Love, and Dating. I love the stares that I'm getting back when I give you that title like pastor josh really really absolutely so let's do me a favor let's pray because i need it and uh, we're going to pray right now before we get into our sermon we're going to dive into what i believe god's word speaks to us concerning these three topics father in the name of jesus we thank you for the opportunity to gather we're so excited god to um once again be here to dive into your word together father you've met us here already in, in, in such a powerful way as we worship you father we felt your presence and we know that you are working here and now in this tent we pray god as we turn to your word to open up our hearts and our minds to receive what you have for us god i pray for a grace to bring this word with clarity truth and with love father and i pray that every person in this room receives something individual something unique lord god that comes from your word today we ask all this in your name in jesus name we pray Amen. Clap your hands one last time, Lighthouse, and you may be seated. We are in this series called Relation Slips, and we are talking about the four major types of relationships that we all have. Number one, there is the family relationship. Somebody say family. So we talked about family last week. If you want to catch up, you can do that. Catch that on the podcast. Catch that on YouTube. But you can hear everything that we talked about last week regarding family relationships. Today, we're diving into romantic relationships. Why? Because tomorrow's Valentine's Day. Why would we not talk about romantic relationships today? Um, we're also going to talk about friendships, and we're also going to talk about situationships. What is a situationship? Your coworkers, your classmates, your boss. You, you have these uh, uh, situationships. It might be the other people on your kids' sports teams. And so we're going to dive into those two topics next week. But today we're going to talk about sex, love, and dating. Like we're going to talk, talk. And, I, and I, I'm excited to talk about this because I think that this is one of the topics that the church is kind of like, ah. We don't want to talk about that on a Sunday. There's like two topics that we shy away from a lot. It's, 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 it's sex and it's money. And we act like the Bible doesn't talk about it, but it does. 
And because the Bible does talk to us about relationships and romantic relationships, it's important for us to dive in from time to time and see what the Word of God has for us. So, so I want to hinge this talk on this statement, okay? I'm going to hinge this entire talk on this statement. I'm going to say it. I'm going to have you say it to your neighbor. The right thing at the wrong time is the wrong thing. Tell your neighbor that. I'll walk you through that. Tell them the right thing at the wrong time is the wrong thing. All right. We, we, I believe that God has so many good things for us, but it's so important for us to experience them at the right time. Because when we get the good things that God has for us out of order, we tend to make a mess out of the situation. When, when the good things that God gives us, his gifts, the, the gifts that he gives to us, when we get them out of order, we tend to make them a mess. And here's what I want you to get. I don't want for you to compromise what God has for you because Jerome wanted something different for you. You get what I'm saying? I, I, I don't want you to compromise what God has for you because Susie wanted something different out of you. And I'd hate for you to miss out on what God has for you because you allowed someone else to tell you what you should be doing with yourself, with your life, and what you should be doing in the sequence of your life. So it's so important that we talk about that. I think that if we can figure out um, and, and what God wants for you really is for you to get to the absolute best version of yourself. I think that's what he wants for you. And what I would like for you to, to really lean in on today is how can I become that person? How, how can I get all that God has for me? How, how do I receive all that God has for me and become that absolute best version of myself? So first thing that we're going to talk about, I want to really talk about this one thing first. This is just a great starter, okay? And, and, and this is this. Um, Disney and romantic comedies have done dating a great disservice. They have. Disney and romantic comedies have really done dating and relationships a disservice because we have created this myth that there is the right one. I'm going to talk about that for a second. We, we've created this myth that there is the right one. As a matter of fact, it's the first thing that I want you to write down. Finding the right person is a myth. Finding the right person is a myth. Now, let me clarify that. I am not saying that there isn't someone that God has for you and God, is gonna, God will bless that relationship. That's not what I am saying. What I am saying is this Disney version that we subscribe to, that when I find the right one, everything will be okay. Once I find the right one, it's all going to be love and flowers and hearts and cupids and, you know, end of movie, roll the credits. They lived happily ever after. You can find the right person and have a lot of disagreements afterwards. You, you can find the right person and deal with a whole lot of stuff after you have found the right person. And this is what I mean when I say the myth of the right person. Because you think that because I found the right person and everything is supposed to be, it's, everything is supposed to be rosy afterwards, you're setting yourself for some severe disappointments. I, I, I have no doubt in my mind that I married the right person, but we've experienced some stuff. We've been married now for going on 18 years. Praise God, 18 years. Come on. If you're looking at me and wondering how that adds up, we got married when I was 12 years old. And so that's why I'm kidding. But, but listen, it, it, I love the way 
Paul, the, the, the Apostle Paul, he, I love the way he framed this up in the Bible. Let's give them that scripture. I love this scripture. 1 Corinthians 7, 28. But those who marry will face many troubles in this life. Stop right there. <laughs> Is that in my Bible? Yeah, that's in your Bible. But that's not in Disney. I know it's not in Disney. But that's not in the movie that I just watched last night. I know that's not in the movie you just watched last night. But Paul says this, those who marry will face many troubles in this life. And I want to spare you of this. Wow. <laughs> I, like, I like how Paul is just so diplomatic about it. But he's letting everyone know, listen, here's the deal. When you find the right person, you're going to have some troubles in your marriage. And Paul is not wrong. All the married people in the room, can I get a good amen if you're like, hey, Paul was not lying about that. Yeah. It's not all rosy afterwards. People that are dating, lean into what I'm saying right now. You will have troubles. No, no, no. Paul is not saying don't get married. But what Paul is saying is he's talking to the single people in the room and he's telling them, hey, buckle up when you get married. All right. I know that you expected everything to just go. I know you expected everything to just go so well once you got married. But the truth is, once you get married, you will have trouble. Here's the reason why Paul said this, because marriage requires a lot of work. And so it is important for us to have the right expectations. If you're taking notes, write that down. Marriage requires a lot of work. And it's so important for us to have the right expectations. Somebody say expectations. How many know that expectations are the biggest trigger to your happiness? Expectations. If you bring the wrong expectations into the right room, you will be disappointed. I don't care if it's the right room. You brought the wrong expectations. If you bring the wrong expectations into the right relationship, that marriage isn't going to be fulfilling. That relationship won't be fulfilling because you brought first and foremost the wrong expectations. Say expectations. So I want to talk to your expectations right now. And, 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 and here's what I have found. Now, I'm going to use a lot of generalizations today, guys. I, I, I like when I teach on this, I use generalizations and you might not you might say, but that's not me. I understand that it's a generalization. So so let's talk about one of these generalizations in a woman's search for the right one. There is this idea that the right person for her is tied mostly to how he makes her feel right. Women, I want a man who makes me feel and whatever that is. Typically, it's feel love, although some might have something else. But say, I want a man who makes me feel loved. And that's, that, that's like the big expectation. Attraction's up there. It's there. But, but how she feels, how he makes her feel, that's what matters the most. Now, now, hold that thought. Let me talk to the men right now. Now, for the men, the right person is often based on sexual compatibility. Different than a woman. Different than a woman. A, a lot of men, and I'm talking about outside of God's plan, their, their, their idea of Mrs. Wright is how compatible are we? And that's Mrs. Wright for me. And so he brings in an entirely different set of expectations. She wants to feel a certain way, and he wants to feel a certain way. Two different ways, though. Two completely different ways. And they come into a relationship, and, and, and this is how we have these mismatched expectations. Let's talk about this some more. If your idea of Mr. Right is how he makes you feel, what are you going to do when he suddenly stops making you feel that way? Because men change. All the married women say amen. A little louder if you know what I'm talking about. Men change. They do. Men change. And so I, I've counseled some, some young ladies. My wife and I will do this counseling with them. And I always tell them, listen, 
This is the best version of him. This, this man that you're dating right now is the best version of him. It's only going to go downhill from here. <laughs> so if, if this is good, awesome. But if you're like even slightly disappointed with his best, move on now. I'm dead serious. You're laughing, but I'm not. It's just like, well, you know, I just thought he was going to change. Yeah, he's going to get worse. (laughs) He's pursuing you right now. But when he has you, what men have a tendency to do is stop pursuing you. Because we default to our old caveman mechanism where once we've gathered, once once we've retrieved that that we pursued, we settle. We settle. And so most men aren't wired to continually pursue their spouse. This is why I actually spend a lot of time talking to the men about continually pursuing their spouse. But it takes a lot of Jesus in teaching to make that happen. It takes the creator of heaven and earth to kind of knock some sense into men to let them know you got to keep pursuing your wife or their coworker might start pursuing them. And, And so I tell women, listen, if this is good enough for you, Okay, keep moving forward. But if you are slightly disappointed and you are dating this guy, if he's already starting to disappoint you, it's time to move on because this is the absolute best version of him. And I'd be very happy if I found out some of you women dumped your men right after this sermon because you got that nugget of revelation. (laughs) I'm just saying, you know, if it's all things for the good, you know. And men... I'm telling you, you better bring your egg in. Now let me talk to the men for just a second, all right? So, so that, that's, that's, that's finding Mr. Right. Now, for, for the men in the tent today, when you're trying to find Mrs. Right, let me tell you, if you think that it's all based on intimate compatibility, let me give you a little revelation for you. You're probably compatible with a lot more people than you think. Okay? You're more compatible with, you know, you're, you're compatible with a lot more people than you probably think you are. So if you marry crazy because she was fun, <laughs> you're going to be married. Let's I hit you with this. Right? You're going to be married, and you're going to want your mom. Because a lot of men tend to look for a lot of qualities in women that they saw in their mother. And so they, because it was fun in this season, then they get married and they're like, I don't want crazy anymore. (laughs) I might work for a season, but I need something else. And they start picking up the phone and talking to their mom a whole lot. I'm not playing y'all. This is real. This is real talk 101 right here. Okay. And and, and because we come into marriage with these two different expectations, say it with me one more time, say expectations. It's crazy, but you see this happen a lot. And I have this analogy called the altar of expectation. Let's get that up on the screen. The altar of expectation. So I've officiated quite a few weddings. I've been in ministry for 23 years now, and I've officiated quite a few weddings. And I can't help but think about this, the altar of expectations. Because here's what happens. Women will get to the altar, and men will get to the altar. And again, I'm speaking generally here. But women will get to the altar, and they'll look at their husband, and they're thinking in that moment as they're saying, I do. I can't wait to change him. Oh, I'm going to, as soon as this wedding is over, when we come back for the honeymoon, I'm going to change him. And the men are standing there thinking, oh, and she's coming down looking at this best version of herself. She's got absolutely beautiful in her white wedding dress. And the men are thinking, she's never going to change. (laughs) The altar of expectations. She thinks she can play Joanna Gaines and turn him into a fixer-upper of a marriage. (laughs) 
so we, you see, women will marry a project <laughs> because she's w hooked on HGTV <laughs> and she wants to fix him. You can't fix him. Listen to me, ladies. You can't fix him. And men, we have this like crazy expectation that women are never going to change. Women change. God shows them to be the vehicle by which they bring other humans into this world. Do you know what bringing another human into this world does to a woman? What it does to her emotions? What it does to her body? And then now she's got to raise these little humans? And then, just when they get old enough, she goes through menopause and she changes again. And then we got a young church, they're like, huh? What is he talking about? Women change. Women change. And, 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 and men don't change unless God changes them. But you can't. You cannot. You will butt your head up against a rock. And I'm not saying men don't change. I just don't find that men change for women. I have found that men will change because God changes them. When I was married to my wife, my wife, she's a great cook. She cooked a lot for me when we first got married. And I, blew, I, ballooned, up to over, I ballooned up to 210 pounds. I blame my wife, not my own <laughs> discipline or self-control. <laughs> Kidding. And I remember it was like she would talk to me so lovingly, like just so lovingly, like, Josh, don't you think you should, you know, have an apple? <laughs> And, and it was like something clicked when my wife was pregnant with my son, Jaden, who's right here, by the way. He's turning 12 on Wednesday. Let's give it up for Jaden, my little preteen. His birthday's on Wednesday. Anyway, side note. But, but that's when it changed. I, I, I'll never forget because the, the, the fir at first the nurse said we were having a girl. And, and so I processed those emotions. And then, then they said, oh, we definitely made a mistake. That is definitely a boy. And that is when everything changed. I don't know what it was. It was like God hit me upside my head and, and, and I proceeded to lose a whole bunch of weight and get to a lot healthier version of me, but it was really because God got a hold of me and said, if you want to run around and be with your son the way your father was with you, you're going to have to take care of this stuff. You know what I'm saying? I used to participate in taco eating contests and then I was like, no, I'm going to go start doing like runs. I've got pictures to show you that one of these days, all right? Come to team night. We'll show you. <laughs> um, and, and, and so this is what happens. We, we, we have these different expectations that we bring with us into our marriage. And if you don't get this fixed now, you're setting yourself up for a lot of disappointment in your marriage. Speaking of marriage, we got to stop idolizing marriage. Let's talk about that right now. Everybody say we've made marriage an idol. And we've done this really bad in the church. The church has really been the biggest <laughs> perpetuator of turning marriage into an idol. We absolutely have. Because here's what happens in the church, all right? I'm pivoting here. But here's what happens in the church. We, we put, let me define idol, okay? An idol is anything that you put before God. An idol is anything that you put before God. And we have gone into marriage, and we have somehow convinced ourselves that once I get married, then this situation will work itself out. Meaning, God can't fix it, but my marriage can that's how we've made an idol out of marriage. 
Oh, uh, I've got this big issue, but I know once I get married, that'll take care of that. I, I, and put that on the screen. The idolatry of marriage is this, expecting marriage to fix what only God can. And we will enter into a marriage thinking that the marriage is going to save this issue that we're dealing with, and it won't. Only God can. Marriage won't solve your lust problem. It will be with you in your marriage. Can I make it any more plain, guys? Can I make it? If you've got a wandering eye when you're dating her, it's going to keep on wandering when you're married to her. So either you get ahead of this now or you're going to get into marriage thinking, oh, I thought this was going to fix itself. No, it's not going to fix itself because marriage doesn't fix what God can't fix. So in your head, if you're thinking, oh, God can't fix this, only marriage can fix it, you're, you're wrong. You're going to bring all of these same bad habits and proclivities into your marriage because you've created an idol out of marriage. Marriage will fix for me what God was unable to fix for me. It won't. It absolutely will not. You have got to go to God with the things in your life that are broken before you drag them into a marriage. Because here's what happens. Your problems are now shared when you bring them into a marriage. Your problems are now shared when you bring them into a marriage. And let me tell you this, two broken people don't make a whole marriage. Two broken people do not make a whole marriage. You both have got to get your stuff together before you enter into marriage. And, and, and we've created this idol out of it that everything will get better once I get married, and that couldn't be further from the truth. Does God want you whole? Yes. Does he want to heal you? Yes. Is marriage a good thing? Yes. Don't make it a bad thing. Don't, don't. And then we're in pastoral counseling. Pastor, I just thought it all changed when I got married. You were broken before you came into that marriage. She was broken when you came to that marriage. What made you think this was going to work? You somehow thought that the intimacy was going to fix things that were broken. And God, listen to me, tell your neighbor, God wants to heal you. Come on, I want you to say that with some authority. Tell them God wants to heal you. Because the best thing you can do for your spouse is to bring the best version of yourself into that marriage. That, that, that's really the best thing you could do is bring the best version of yourself. Here's another thing we do with marriage. The idolatry of marriage is expecting your spouse to fill a void that only God can fill. Expecting your spouse to fill a void that only God can fill. There are things that I can talk to Joanna about, but I know that the only one who has the power to do anything about it is God. And yet you will run to your spouse with things that you won't even run to God with. That's when you've made an idol out of your marriage. Because you're going, you don't even go to God because, and somehow you think God doesn't have the power to do anything about it. We don't even go to God because we think that God doesn't care enough to do anything about it. And so we'll run to our spouse with things that we won't first run to God with. And, and again, that, that, is, that is making an idol out of marriage thinking that somehow my spouse has the power to do something for me that God cannot do. So what are you saying with all of that, Pastor Josh? What I'm saying is not only do you need to bring the best version of yourself into your marriage, but it is so important to know who you are in Christ before you get into that, before you get into that marriage. Because here's what's going to happen. You're going to keep running back to him in your marriage over and over and over again. All the married people in the room, you should be nodding your head. You're like, absolutely. 
Absolutely. Because God, you don't cease to be a disciple of Christ when you get married. As a matter of fact, unpopular opinion, but God will often use the person you are closest with, your spouse, to develop you. <laughs> you over here like praying, God, make me a more patient person. And he's like, I'm going to do that through your wife. <laughs> you've, got, you've got control issues, and God's going to use your wife to help develop that. You, you, you've got anger issues, and God's going to use your husband to help you develop. Do you understand what I'm saying, Lighthouse Church? God is not done making you into his image just because you are now married. He's going to continue to do so, and he's going to do so with the help of your spouse. And so if God is fr not first, you're going to run into a lot of issues in your, in your marriage because you feel like, I can't go to God. You, you, you feel like I am unable to come to him. So he's going to use your spouse to help develop you because how many of God wants to continually develop you? I mean, he's going to develop you until the day he comes to take you home. He wants to continue to develop you. Now, let me get to the last thing here that I'm going to say, and I'm coming to a close with this. Got real serious in the tent right here. So what's the fix, Pastor Josh? He gave me a lot of despair today. It's the Super Bowl and I'm going home depressed. <laughs> Here's what you can do. Write this down. Focus on becoming the right person. And here's what I don't mean. I'm not saying become the right person for your future spouse because that's once again making an idol out of marriage. Here's what I am saying. Write this down. Focus on becoming the right person for God to unfold his purpose in your life. Let's just stop right there. I'm going to put a period with a T at the end of it right there, okay? You need to focus on becoming the right person for God to unfold his purpose in your life. This is another thing we busted up in the church too. Well, if you become the right person for your future spouse, how about you just become the right person for God? Why, why, why would we want to be the right person for someone else first and not be the right person for our God first? And so listen to me, Lighthouse Church, you have got to focus on becoming the right person, meaning you've got to be the right person that God is trying to use here on this earth. you got to become the right person that God wants to make his kingdom just advanced here on this earth through you. And so rather than, well, I need to focus on becoming the right person for that other person, I'm not saying that that's not something you should do. What I am saying is that shouldn't be first. It should always be God first and we done done a lot of silly things here in this not not here in this church but we do a lot of silly things in the church when it's all about this idolization of marriage it'll all be better when you get married you got to focus on becoming the right person so that when you find that person it's all gonna be better focus on becoming the right person that god has created you to be focus on becoming the right person that god has has is trying to use here on this earth he's got a plan for your life he's got a purpose for your life he wants to use you the bible says he's got a hope and a, and a promise for you and his desire is to use you in a great capacity here on this earth while we wait for him to come again and that's the person you should be becoming that's the person you need to lean in on. That's the person that you have got to become. 
I wrote a few things down within the lens of relationships and putting things in this proper place. When you think about education and career, I commit to devoting the time needed to my education so that I can glorify God through the work that an education will afford me. I will glorify God by doing my work as unto the Lord. My work will compensate me and I will be able to faithfully support my family and provide for them what they need to find God for themselves and build a nurturing environment for growth. That, that, that's putting your purpose in the right place when it comes to education and career. This is what it means to put God's purpose in your life ahead of everything else in finances and generosity. I will steward and create wealth by first being faithful to God through bringing tithes and offerings to advance the, 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 the work of the kingdom. And I will apply the same discipline to my home, lead a generous life with my spouse and my family, and I will teach them to love generously. When we talk about our bodies, I will treat my body as a temple of God and I will care for it so that I'm alive to maximize my impact here on this earth. I will be accountable with my health decisions, first to God, second to my spouse, and finally to my family. Do you understand the picture that I'm trying to paint to you all today? These are all the things that God wants first and foremost for you. The same thing must apply into your romantic relationships. That's where I'm trying to drive this home, Lighthouse Church. We, we've got to have God first and center of it all. And, and, and my heart for you, Lighthouse Church, today is as we dive into this, and as we're going to continue to dive into this, is that we put God where he needs to be when it comes to our romantic relationships. That we put God where he needs to be when it comes to our marriage. That we put God where he needs to be when, it ta- when we're talking about um, our family. I want for you all to experience the gift of marriage, but do not worship the gift more than the giver of the gift. Marriage is a gift from God. But don't worship marriage more than you worship God. God gave you that gift. It's a gift that he gives to you. It won't always be easy. But the good news is two people who are passionately running in the direction of their plan and purpose for their life have a lot more chance for success than than two people who are running in any direction, but not in the direction that God has for them. And I want what's best for you. And I want what's best for your family. Because strong families are built first and foremost on strong marriages. And and, and strong marriages are going to produce some strong children. And I believe strong families can change a city. I'll say that one more time for the people in the back. I believe strong families have the potential to change and impact a city. Why do I believe that? Because I'm seeing that right here in the city of Vista. Because you, Lighthouse Church, are making a big impact on the city of of Vista. And I see that happening because you've leaned into God's purpose for your life. You've leaned into God's plan for your life. And as we continue to lean into that, God's going to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can ask, think, or imagine. Is there anybody here in the tent that agrees with me today? Is there anyone in the tent that believes that right now? Come on, as you clap your hands, let's all stand to our feet right now. I want to pray with you. I hope that some of this gave you some aha moments today. I really do. I hope this is reframing some things for you. But we need to get ready to continue to become the person that God has created us to be. We need to be ready for what is next. We need to be ready for what's ahead. And I believe that if we can get this romantic relationship thing figured out, it's only going to make your marriage stronger. It's going to make your family stronger. And it's going to make this church stronger. Can I get a good amen on that? Let's pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, God for your presence that is here. We thank you, God, for how you've already worked today and how you're going to continue to work, Lord God. Father, we just pray right now as we close out these moments together that you would speak to us through your word and through what we've heard 
right now. God, I challenge and I provoke every person in a relationship right now that they would see first and foremost the urgency and the necessity to become a Jesus follower, a disciple, continually becoming and developing into the person that you've created them to become as priority. And then in doing so, God, that you would bring union and health, prosperity into that relationship. I pray for every marriage right now, God. I pray that there would be some marriages where there needs to be some expectations reset. I pray that there would be a husband. I pray that there would be a, a wife that would, that would see that maybe they've been running to their spouse to things that they should be running to you with. We would reset our expectations in our homes. Would we reset our expectations in our marriage so that we could do things the way that you have ordered the way that you have so desired and taught for us to do, Father. And we do things your way, Father. We ask all this in your name, Jesus. And in your name we pray. Amen. Let's clap our hands one more time, Lighthouse. Hey, we're going to close out with some worship. That's our custom to do so. If this message has blessed your life, I want to encourage you to share this message with others or go online to our website and consider making a donation so that we can continue bringing you content just like today's message. God bless you.